0: Welcome to another episode of the Family Discipleship Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Horseman, and my prayer for you is that the Lord would be pleased to bless this show and use it to provide you as a Christian parent with gospel centered, grace driven ideas and encouragement for shepherding your children's hearts and cultivating your family's relationships with Jesus and with each other. All right, friends, welcome back to this episode of the Family Discipleship Podcast. I'm really excited to have my friend Ruth Adams with us today, and we're going to be talking about parenting with eternity in focus. Um, so for those of you who don't know Ruth, uh, she's the author of the books Legacy Reflections of a Homeschooled Homeschooling Mama and the Word Study Scripture Writing Journal series. Uh, Ruth enjoys encouraging ladies of all ages to be uh, tethered to God's word through her podcast, the Legacy Homeschool Reflections podcast. She was homeschooled herself in the 1980s and 90s and is now homeschooling her own seven children, uh, which I love, you know, I love, you know, talking to second generation homeschoolers. I think it's really neat. Um, But uh, just seeking to pass on the legacy of faith that her parents imparted to her. Uh, So she has an over 40 year perspective on the homeschooling movement and encourages parents to reach the hearts of their children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I highly encourage you to check out our website and, uh, you know, social media and some of our resources, and we'll have all the links to that in the notes with this show. Um, uh, but for, t- for right this minute, we're just going to go right to our conversation. Um, it's parenting with eternity and focus. And, uh, so just, just kind of set the stage, you know, Christian families are on a pilgrimage to, uh, have a, You know, our true eternal home. Um, so I think in light of that, it's important that we, um, uh, you know, kind of live with that mindset and live with that reality and embrace, you know, eternal priorities for the, you know, the furtherance of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, we're just going to talk about a little bit of vision and practical ideas on how families can uh, live and breathe and do all for the glory of God. Okay. All right. Um, so, Ruth, um, again, welcome to the show. And uh, first question I, I just kind of want to ask from you is, you know, we often ask our children, um, you know, you hear this a lot from growing ups to ask, you know, children, well, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up or what do you want to do, right? <laughs> um, so that that is an important question, of course. Um, but is there a question that you think we should be asking uh, our children that is even more important than that?
1: Well, thank you, Christian. It's such a delight to be here today yeah. and just to have this little homeschool graduate reunion with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our, our children are bombarded with these cultural messages that, They can create their own identity, their own reality, whether it makes any sense or not. The truth is relative to what they want it to be. They're living in the selfie generation. They're being told by media and influences all around that they need to live unto themselves. And so I think as adults, if we can maybe up our game in how we engage with young people and talk with them. And I know that when adults say, what do you want to be when you grow up? They have the best intentions, but maybe we can have more meaningful, helpful conversations with our young people and help them to see a bigger picture than themselves and help them to, um, with our questions, maybe ask them things like, how do you see god moving in your generation what do you see god doing at this time in history you know because history is his story from beginning to end what do you see god doing in the current days what gifts has god given you and how do you think you might participate in what he's doing to further his kingdom and to further his righteousness what What passions do you have? What gifts do you have? Um, Ephesians, I believe it's 2.10 tells us, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So he has prepared good works in advance for them so that they would then walk in those. And so how can we help them to see that? You know, what is the purpose that God created me for? And how can I use all that I have not to build my kingdom, not to build you know, my dreams, but to do what God has put me here for. Because as you said, we're pilgrims, we're walking through. This is not our eternal home. And so we want to be faithful on the pilgrimage to walk the walk that God has prepared for us. So maybe just in our conversation, instead of saying, what are your dreams? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What is God directing in?
0: Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's kind of like you said. You know, we're we're definitely living in interesting times. Um, and in some ways, you know, uh, sometimes we always think of, you know, all oh, the good old days were were better. And you know, maybe in some sense they were, but uh, you know, in a, in another sense, you know, they kind of weren't. You know, it, it, things do stay the same in one degree. You know, man's depravity is always the same. You know, but on the other hand, you know, it's exciting to see the different ways that God is, you know, working um, in our modern era in a way different than, you know, maybe it was a hundred years ago or 500 years ago uh, or a thousand years ago. Right. Um, so it's definitely an interesting time to, you know, be alive and to be a Christian and, uh, you know, kind of encounter the culture uh, for Jesus Christ. So, uh, so I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you talk about how we need to prioritize the kingdom of God and, uh, you know, maintain a focus on eternity. And um, I know in the past, I've heard you talk about uh, three things in particular that you found to be helpful um, in your own family. Um, and I think one of those is pursuing simplicity. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what does that look like for you and why it's important?
1: I'd have, I'd be happy to share about this journey that I'm currently on and learning sure. to embrace simplicity. I want yeah. to be completely honest and say I have failed in this area a lot over the years. Um, but over the past few years, The Lord has been teaching me about the beauty of simplicity and how that when we embrace simplicity, it frees us up for the things that do matter for eternity. It frees us up to pursue relationships and kingdom work. And when we are not, when we have an overcomplicated schedule or home or life, it can be like a ball in a chain and it can hinder us. So one area in particular, For me, that is a journey currently, is just in the area of decluttering my home. Um, I think what I didn't understand when I started out as a young wife and mother that I wish I had is how that when you grow your family really quickly, as we did, you know, with seven children, things multiply and accumulate like exponentially really quickly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And especially. As each child is developing their own interests and their own hobbies. And then maybe the family has several things going. Like in our family, we have a farm. So we have all the farm animals and we have the farm equipment and the farm feed. And then I garden. So I have the seeds and the, the gardening equipment. And if you could just see my mason jar collection alone <laughs> for the preserving the food, that's a huge right. collection of children. Right. Tr- then you've got the canners you've got the utensils all that goes with preserving food and then we have ministry and we go to booths and have like you know this whole inventory of um enough stuff to fill a double booth at a convention so that gets stored in our home and then my children you know I have a daughter who's very crafty so we have all of this stuff to store then we have all this curriculum because we've been homeschooling for over 20 years things begin to pile at And those are things that we really can't do away with because those are part of the life that God has called us to. But other things I can declutter and take out of the home so that it doesn't cause stress and it doesn't cause um, a hindrance to getting done the things that God really wants us to focus on. And so, for example, one area that I would do totally over if I was a new mom starting out with young children is I wouldn't stuff their bedrooms with a ton of toys and clothes and books and games and puzzles when they're really young, which is exactly what I did. And now I look back and I say, you know, a four or five-year-old child is probably not mature enough to know how to steward that many toys and that many books and that much stuff. I mean, I have a hard time when my environment has too much in it to keep it organized and clean and tidy. And so what I did is I put my children in these rooms stuffed with all this stuff and then I would say, clean your room. And then they'd be frustrated and I'd be frustrated. So if I could go back and start over, just a little tip for younger mothers, I would put like a reasonable amount of clothing and books and some very intentional toys. And every day I take that little one by the hand and say, It's time to clean up and everything would have a place and I would train them better. And then as they were growing in their skills to manage things, then more things could come in. So I have been on a journey of decluttering my home. I'm not a minimalist. I don't think I'll ever be a minimalist. I don't want to be a minimalist. I like home decorations and all these hobbies and things, but there are things that need to be moving uh, on a regular basis because my family is bringing more things in on a regular basis. So I'd say this last year, I I decluttered more than I ever have. I, like it's been a one to two bag a week at least moving things out of my home. Um, and sometimes on some like weekends, I'll hit it really hard and I'll have the whole back of our vehicle stuffed with, you know, and driving that off to donations. And It's freeing to let go of things. There's been studies that have been done that says clutter can cause mental stress and anxiety. It can be like a silent to-do list where you look in this closet and you feel overwhelmed because you have to clean that out. And you look in the cabinet and in the kitchen drawer and everywhere you go, it overwhelms you and it stresses you because you can't find what you need. And you, you say, Oh, I've got to do this and this and this. And so the Lord's been teaching me. And that's one area of simplifying my life. I have a long way to go, but that's one area I'm working on.
0: Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Now, uh, not to necessarily overlap with with the next point, but uh, do you think that that is applicable to time? Because I know that's probably uh, maybe even a little bit more so than than stuff and things that uh, time is is one area where uh, I, I could definitely do a little bit better on stewarding. Um, you know, and kind of like you're saying, you know, not uh, necessarily like filling our schedules. Um, because you, I think you said a minute ago, you know, it kind of becomes a distraction from the more important, uh, you know, kingdom work that God has called us to do. And, uh, you know, I, know I, I personally have that, that tendency where I'm like, you know, I kind of stuff, stuff my day full. Um, and then, you know, things don't always happen as planned things need moved around and, and things like that. So, um, that's definitely kind of been one of the stressors, um, especially in the last year or two that I think I've been struggling with. So do you think that that same principle kind of applies there too?
1: Yes. And I think of the verse, I love the verse that says redeeming the time because the days are evil. We have a limited amount of time that God has given us and we want to redeem that wisely and use it for his glory.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Definitely. So um, again, like I said, that kind of slides into our next point. Um, Let's take just a quick break though, and then we'll come back and uh, talk about that.
2: High tech world. Families are losing the art of old fashioned quality time together. But you can transform your family time with an exciting new trivia game about Moses and the Exodus. This game is more than just fun and entertainment, it's a chance to unite your loved ones for screen free family time and enrich your scriptural knowledge. You and your children will have fun laughter and friendly competition as you step back into the Old Testament and test your knowledge about the life of Moses and the biblical details of the Israelites' exodus from Egypt and 40-year trek through the wilderness. This easy-to-play, family-friendly game is sure to make memories you'll treasure. So head over to Family Discipleship, podcast.net slash Moses, and get your family a copy of this trivia game, download and print it right away Put down your electronic devices and play it together with your family tonight. That's familydiscipleshippodcast.net slash Moses. Have fun.
0: All right, welcome back um, from our break. And again, I have Ruth Adams with us here uh, for our conversation today with uh, Parenting with Eternity in Focus. Uh, So we've been talking a little bit, uh, you know, about, having a, you know, more of an eternal mindset, you know, heavenly mindset and um, in, in the way we approach our life and the way we live our life. Um, she talked a little bit about, you know, decluttering. Um, <laughs> so uh, next uh, on our list, uh, the next point I wanted to ask you about is, you know, many families are, you know, I, I kind of touched on this a moment ago with with talk about time. Um, you know, many families are struggling and stressed trying to meet you know, all the demands of a busy life, a, you know, full to-do list and things like that. So uh, how does it help? Um, you, like in your personal life and your family, uh, how does it help you to have a system in place to you know kind of plan ahead for things? and uh, you know what does that entail?
1: Looking back, when I had a lot of little children, I really had a flow to my day where my children would kind of know what to expect when we get up, we have breakfast, and then we have chores, and then we have circle time. And our circle time is our morning time where I gather all of the children together, and it's heavily discipleship focused where we're reading the word, we're singing, we're doing discipleship resources, just whatever good resource. I feel the Lord is leading me to read with my children at that time. Sometimes we do some history, some science, but it's our gathering group learning and worship time. And they would know then, okay, you know, what's going to happen after that. And then lunch. And then they would have, when they were little, they would have naps or quiet playtime, um, And so I could, I could guide the day that way and I could sort of, it was almost like my little ducklings that could follow me around and I could be like, okay, now it's time for lunch. Now it's time to clean up. Now children, we're going to take a nap. And I could guide them through the day like that. As they get older into the teen years, they begin to take more responsibility for their work and for their goals and for their projects and things. And I don't think they enjoy being led around like little ducklings as much, you know, and they don't enjoy surprises like children were going to do this all of a sudden when they already yeah. had sort of an idea how their day was going to go. Right. So I have had to adapt to that. And now I'm using more of um, some specific time blocks to guide us so that we can all stay coordinated. When my children were younger, that didn't work very well to schedule things in time blocks because I felt like there were too many little emergencies always popping up that would get us off track. But now that they're older and we have a lot of things to coordinate, it actually is serving us well to have some time blocks. For example, I have four children that need to practice the piano every morning. And I have four children that I want to have a personal one-on-one little meeting with to go over their school and their goals, their individual schoolwork. And to get all that coordinated, we need to have some time blocks so that it all works out. Because when we don't, it just doesn't work out. It doesn't coordinate. And so um, I have for years and years said, what works for our family is a flow of the day. And that's still true, but we're a little bit more specific with some time blocks now that they are older and I just want to encourage your listeners that as we go through different seasons in raising our families and in homeschooling, different things work for different seasons and what i found over and over is I'll be going along and something will be working and then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a rut and it's not working anymore and then I need to figure something else out. So recently I was feeling some stress that We were not able to get everything done in our morning that we needed to cram into the morning time. And I thought about James 1.5 that tells us if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And so I said, Lord, I just don't know what to do. Please give me guidance how to get everything done in our morning that we need to get done. And I felt like the Lord very quickly gave me a very practical solution, you know. And it's like, well, why didn't I think of that? But sometimes we just get a mental block. And what it was is we needed to cut out our lunch hour because what was happening, we would meet for a circle time and then we'd finish. And I would say, now whose day is it to prepare lunch? And then we figure that out. And then that person would say, well, I don't know what I want to make. They'd go to the pantry and they'd look around and then they'd resurface and say, mama, we don't have any good food. I don't know what to make. Then they'd go back and they think about it some more. And then sometimes they would come up with a plan, but it would be more involved and more complicated and more of a mess than what I needed it to be. And then we would get to the lunch table late and then it would be time to clean up. It was zapping like a good hour or more Mm -hmm. and so i realized if we would cut out that lunch hour that we could just keep right on going with our music lessons and with meetings with me and so i felt like for this season the solution would be to put a little schedule on our refrigerator that would have all the days of the week and say monday the menu for this week is chicken pot pie you know warm your own Tuesday, it's peanut butter and jelly. Wednesday, it's corn dogs. Whenever it suits you, go get that food and just keep working and eating and we'll keep piano practice rolling and I'll keep meeting with people. And that is working and that is a solution for us right now. And it was after I went and asked the Lord that that came to me. And it may not be a forever solution for our family because as the seasons change, honestly, the lunchtime has often been a time where I would read to my children. So we may want to go back to that at some point. But for this season, that is working really well. And so I would say just keep going to the Lord and asking for that wisdom because he does gently lead those with young and not just like babies. I think those with young people and teenagers as well. And he is a faithful, faithful guide. So um, yeah. And, and then just like planning, I used to be able to keep all the things in my head, but now I need to use a planner because we have a daughter living in Florida. We have a son living with us, but working full time. We have our church schedule. We have a vacation house in Ohio's Amish country that's on VRBO. So people tourists will rent our home. So we have housekeepers there in Ohio that I have to stay coordinated with. We right. have our ministry schedule with conferences, conventions, interviews like we're doing today. I can't keep all this straight in my head anymore. So now I do have a, a paper planner. I, I'm not naturally the most organized person in the world, but I've learned that it has to go down on paper so that I can I can um, go to it and I'll carry this with me when I go anywhere. That way I can resource it if something comes up. My husband and I take it along when we go on date night so that we can talk about these things. So I have as a um, homeschooling mom, as a mother of seven, I have had to learn to become a little bit more organized. So I came from a family with one sibling And so the dynamics Mm -hmm. of a large (laughs) family are very different. They are. And I'm just thankful that the Lord does lead us and guide us when we go to him. He's faithful.
0: Right. No, I love that. And I I love too, you know, that's, that's one of the, you know, we talk about this other other places too, but, you know, that is one of the beauties of, you know, homeschooling is, you know, you can adjust your schedule to what works best for you. You know, it's not you know, locked in, set in stone, like, you know, the public school system is, you know, where it's, it's always the same and it can change. Um, but yeah, when something, you know, a season of life is different and you need to do something different, you have that flexibility and, uh, and I love to. Flexibility is
1: one of the beautiful things about homeschooling. It
0: is, it sure is, you know, especially like you said, you know, when we ask God for wisdom and, you know, he kind of, uh, you know, puts, puts it in our mind, you know, how we need to organize things and make things work better for us. So I love that. Right. So, yeah. So how do we determine, um, if our family is being successful in our endeavors to, you know, serve the Lord and seek His kingdom above all else, you know, kind of what's our, you know, standard or measuring stick?
1: <laughs> yes, I love that you said measuring stick because it's important that we use the correct measuring stick when we are evaluating how we're doing in our families, in our discipleship program, in our homeschooling, in any area of life. Um, we want to use a biblical measuring stick, and we know that the world is going to tell us. The measure of success is wealth and position, and power, fame and opportunity and all of those things. But the Bible gives us a very different definition of success. And I love in Psalm 1 where it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law does he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So who is it in that psalm that is prospering, who is experiencing success? It's the man or the woman or the family that is delighting in the law of the Lord who's meditating on it day and night so i think the starting point for us in evaluating our homeschooling is are we gathering together and delighting in the law of the lord are we holding up high god's word and revering it and walking according to it are we worshiping the lord together are we seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness matthew 6 You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. And I think all these things really does mean all these things, including the academics. We seek first the kingdom of God. One day, our children are going to stand before the Lord. And at that time, what's really going to matter when they stand in his presence is not how they did in sports, how they excelled in music or how they did academically. What's really gonna matter is the position, the posture of their hearts before the Lord and the stewardship of what he gave them in their giftings, how they used that for his glory. So um, we want to not have just a short-term vantage point when we're evaluating how we're doing. We're gonna have bad days. So we don't need to feel that we're failing just because we're having a bad day or our house is a mess. But how are we doing in the long-term, 10, 15, 20 years down the road? Will our children be serving the Lord and passing on the faith to the next generation? That's what really you know matters. So um, John Milton said that the end of all learning is to know God and out of that knowledge to love and imitate him. So whatever we're teaching, we want that to lead our children to know God and to love him, to worship him, to become conformed to his image. And I'm not advocating here that we ignore the academics. We absolutely need to steward our children's education and be faithful in that area and equip them for what God has called them to. But that's not necessarily the standardized achievement tests across the board you know whatever god has called each individual child to is how we need to kind of tailor uh, their learning that we're equipping them for what god has called them for and that's going to be different for my children than it will be for my friends children and in fact that's going to be different for all of my children so we do want to be faithful. and I say, um, you know, we want to ground them in those three R's, the reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I love how Kevin Swanson throws in there an extra R, he says, and the R of rejoicing. And we want to be rejoicing in the Lord as families. But, you know, Christian, honestly, we are living in the information day, and if we yeah. raise strong readers, Our children can learn whatever they need to learn at the click of the keyboard. You know? (laughs)
0: Absolutely, right.
1: But the Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? So we just want to keep those priorities in mind that the walk with Christ, the discipleship trumps everything else. And I do believe that as we're faithful to those priorities, to have those things in order. The Lord will add all these things, including the education that our children need.
0: Amen. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's uh, it's hard to believe we've we've talked for almost 30 minutes now. I, it's gone by so fast. I wish we had more time. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So before before we wrap up though, um, I do know that uh I wanted you to tell our audience a little bit about uh your scripture writing journals that you have. So can you tell us a little bit about those and you know why you put them together and where can people find them?
1: Okay. Yes, I have written the Word Study Scripture Writing Journal series. Currently, we have three volumes. They are for ladies and young ladies, meaning we have journals for ladies and young ladies that coordinate together. So sometimes mothers and daughters will do them together. Sometimes ladies will do them on their own. Sometimes young girls will do them on their own. Sometimes Bible study groups will do them. Some moms have Bought them for um, homeschool penmanship exercises. Yeah. But there's word studies included in the daily writing, like right there on the page. So you don't have to go looking at the original Hebrew or Greek and digging to find those meanings. So right. on each day's writing, we we extract a keyword from the writing and provide the original Greek or Hebrew for that word just to enhance. Yeah the understanding. And when we write out scripture, somehow it kind of goes in deeper, I think, on a different level. Journals contain hymns and quotes from great Christians, and some of them contain um, little devotionals that I have written. And I am currently working on putting out the fourth one as soon as possible, working very hard on that. So it's just my heart in that is just to encourage ladies and young ladies to be in the word.
0: Right. No, I love that. And, uh, where they can, f- people can find those on your website, right?
1: Um, yes, my website is legacyhomeschoolreflections.com and also there on Amazon.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, I will, I will definitely have the links for that. Like I said, in the uh, notes that go with this episode. So highly encourage, uh, all our listeners to check, check those out. Um, I think, I think it'll be a big blessing to you. So, but yeah, thank you so much again, uh, for, for joining us today. And, uh, I definitely want to have you back next time. Uh, even some of the things you said in our conversation today, it's like, you know, that would be a whole other uh, episode that would be a really good topic to talk about. So so we'll definitely have you back I'd oh, love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well thank you That's again. Great. And uh, yeah, to all our listeners, um, thank you for, for tuning in today. I hope this conversation has been a blessing to you and uh, encourage you to come back again next time and uh, hopefully find more encouragement and inspiration in the ways of the Lord. Talk to you soon. been listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, I truly hope that you've been blessed and encouraged by the things we've covered today, and I'd love to hear your feedback, questions, or even suggestions for a particular guest or topic that you would like to see featured on a future episode. Feel free to email host at Podcast.net, and don't forget to follow the show on social media and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss new episodes as they're released. I hope you'll be able to join us again next week, but in the meantime, I pray that the Lord will continue to bless your family as you endeavor to shepherd your children's hearts and cultivate your family's relationships with Jesus and with each other.